be there in just a moment, but while you're turning there, I want to talk about something I heard this week. You know, Bobby started out with, with his joke. This one here, I don't know how it's going to be received, but uh, my dad sent it to me in an email, and I, I thought it was humorous and thought I would share it with you. There was uh, three holy men who were sitting around a table, and they were discussing a little bit about evangelism. And somehow the conversation got around that people are a little bit easier than other things. So wonder what would happen if we took on something challenging. And they figured, let's try a bear. And they said, we're going to try to evangelize a bear and we'll come back in a week and see how that worked out for you. So the, the first holy man was a Catholic priest. And as they assembled themselves back together, he was there with a his arm in a sling and a few bandages. And he said, I went up to the bear and I started talking to him and he started to slap me around and I brought out the holy water and I was sprinkling him with it and he became as gentle as a lamb. Well, the um, Christian minister, he's there in his wheelchair and a little IV drip going on. And, and he said, well, he said, mine was a little different. I went out in the woods and I was searching after that bear and Found him at the top of the hill, and boy, we got into it, and we wrestled, and we rode down the hill, and he was getting the best of me till we hit the crick. And then when we hit the crick, I dunked his hairy little soul, and he became gentle as a lamb, just like he said. Well, unfortunately, they were gathered together at the hospital in the intensive care ward because the third guy was in the hospital bed there in intensive care, full body cast, Everything, monitors going on. He was a Jewish rabbi, and they looked over at him. And he looks back, and in that weak breath, he said, Well, maybe our faith isn't quite right with starting with circumcision. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) This is the last day of 2017. And the last joke you'll hear from me this year. <laughs> there we go. Um, instead of saying Happy New Year to you, though, I'm going to wish you for something different. I'm not going to just throw those words out. You know, we've almost got to where it's cliche and we just toss Happy New Year out and around. Um, if you're not a child of God, I don't wish you a Happy New Year. Because true happiness, I wish you a relationship with God. Because true happiness can only come through a relationship with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And what he does, eternal life is found through him. If something were to happen to you this year and I just wished you a happy new year, that wouldn't work out well for either of us. Now, Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly, says in John 10.10. And if you don't have the Son, you don't have life. And so that is going to be one of my requests for this new year for you. True happiness is that relationship with God that we have through Him. On the cross, those three hours of darkness from noon till three, the sins of the world were placed upon His shoulders. And He died for everything that you and I have ever done in the past or ever will commit in the future. And so he took care of that on the cross for us in that darkness. And it says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin 
for us so that we then might have the right to become the righteousness of God in Him, in Christ Jesus. He Himself bore our sins upon the tree and died for us. So Happy New Year is really all about this relationship and this knowledge and believing in Jesus Christ and to being born again unto a lively hope. Those who are outside of Christ, my New Year's wish for you is up there on the board in Acts 16 and 31 where it says, If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. Now, for those of us who have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and that we have followed His command after belief into the waters of baptism and then we are in Christ, then what I wish for you and I for this new year is not just a happy new year. I wish for you a snuff box full of wicks and a bottle. <laughs> I can see some are celebrating. Woo! And some are going, looking at me like I just burnt the biscuits, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting a mixed reaction up here. But, but you'll understand about it here in a minute. In, a, in Exodus 25, I told you the wrong ones. Keep your marker at Psalm 56 and go to Exodus 25. We'll be at 56 in a minute. Exodus 25 is where we're going to start. And I'm going to explain to you a little bit from this section of Scripture why I wish this for you. Here in Exodus 25, God is giving the description of the lampstand. And we've been studying that in Revelation, haven't we? In chapter 1, we saw that Jesus Christ is the high priest of his church and that the lampstand's represent the church well the ties go all the way back here to exodus 25 those lampstands god is now telling them how to build it how to make it and what to do and the meaning of this passage we will see in a later date going in depth why it was gold how much is a talent of gold um, why the almond blossoms were on it All of these things are every detail in the word of God is specific for a reason. There's something behind it. But I want to focus a little bit on something that is overlooked. Whenever it's talked about the articles in the tabernacle that was going to be made. You know, I did search after search on Google Images trying to come up with the snuff box and the tongs. And you can't hardly find it anywhere. You get the menorah, the seven lampstand you get the altar and you get the incense and you get the ark of the covenant but you don't get these overlooked items so if you're there in exodus 25 go down to verse 38 and it says the tongs thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold now that's the king james version the new king james says the wick trimmers and their trays but I like snuff boxes because that kind of throws us off you would snuff out the wicks of the candles and you got these wick trimmers so let me tell you what's going on here first of all a little background um, in Leviticus 24 1 through 4 it tells us that Aaron as the high priest was charged evening and morning every day to go into the holy place and to check the menorah to make sure that oil was in there, that, that it was lit and that the wick was still going to last another day and if not, he would change that out. Continually, the light 
was supposed to shine. There were no doors in the tabernacle. There were no windows. The only light inside was from that lampstand. That's because the only light in this world is Jesus Christ. And that lampstand represented Jesus in there. The oil that was there, I'll tell you about that in a minute. But you know what? Now in Revelation, we saw that was Jesus coming into the world. In Revelation, we saw that the candlesticks, the lampstands, represents the church now. Why? Because the church is the body of Christ. We are representing Christ now, and that is who we are. And so it says that it will, he was to do it every day because that light was supposed to shine continually. It was never supposed to go out. And so he had a big charge ahead of him to do that. And one of these days we will study that very, very in depth. But on why the almonds and why the different things. But what would happen is, is you've got these main stem representing Christ. And the other stems that come off of it is representing those who are in Christ. Because what did he say? I am the vine and you are the branches. And the branches that came off of it represents everything else that are in him. And on the top of that lampstand was a carved almond blossom. And then golden bowl was stuck up on top of there. And it would be filled, it says there in Leviticus, with almond, that it would be filled with olive oil that was beaten. It was pure. It was from the pressed fruit of the olive. And you would fill that. And then they would take the wick and place it inside of there. And it would be immersed down in there so that it would saturate that wick so that the combination of the wick and the oil would provide light continually. You know, when you and I then are this wick, we are the wick that is lit to provide the light. The oil, always in the scripture, the pure olive oil, represents the Holy Spirit of God. And so... Peter said it in Acts 2 and verse 38 this way, that repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and what? Ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit then indwells every Christian who has been immersed into the water and our wick of life is soaked just like the wick was on the candelabra. And you remember in Acts chapter 2 as it began, and the explosion sounded and people ran out, they received the gift of the Holy Spirit, the disciples did first, and what appeared on top of their heads? Flames. It looked like little flames. That was the representation of the flame that would be on the top of this. So when we are baptized into Christ, we are actually also immersed in that oil of the Holy Spirit as that gift that is given to us. And then we are to be lit as the light of the world to continually be lit before the presence of God, it says. And so that's what's going on in here. And then as we get back to Exodus chapter 25, 
it says that the high priest then would go in every day. And we find out now that Jesus is our high priest. And that he is now the one who functions this with you and I. Who are the, the wicks of the lampstands. But he would go in and he would inspect that. And if it needed oil, he would provide that. You know that Jesus and the word of God provides everything that you need for life. And to have it more abundantly. And to be able to shine for him if you go to that that oil is continually filled within your bowl from him. And then as it's lit, and as your life is spent in service, at times that wick would burn down. You gave yourself up and the wick would burn down to a small nub so that it wouldn't go out. As Aaron would go in there and inspect it, he would take the wick trimmers, he would take the tongs, and he would grab a new wick place it down into the oil, set it there, and then grab a hold of the old wick and light the new one so that the light never goes out. And then he would place that spent wick into the snuff dish and snuff it out. So therefore, the snuff dish holds in remembrance all of the service, all of the things that you have done through Christ In this world as being his light. As the lamp that shines in the darkness. So think about that. Jesus evening and morning is right with us. He's right beside us inspecting us. Does he have enough oil? Is his wick still going? Does I need. Oh that service is over. I am going to place a new service in your life. And I'm going to put your old one in my box of remembrance that I'm going to keep with me. And so as we go into 2018, sometime today, this evening, think about 2017. Reflect upon your service. Reflect upon how many wicks might be in that snuff box. If you think, wow, I don't want to do that. Well, then what I would say is, think about 2018. Don't let anything from your past and any opportunities missed disappoint you to the fact that you don't look forward to a full wick box in 2018. I hope 2017 was full, but I say that we serve a God who is a from now on God. Whenever he would meet someone and he would come to the woman at the well or whoever he was with. We're going to talk about another lady in a minute who wiped his feet with her tears. He always said, from now on. Whenever the disciples was in the boat and Peter went to his knees because they hauled in the fishes after he said, hey, I fished all night under my power and I didn't catch anything. He said, throw your net on the other side. Couldn't pull it in. He falls down. He says, I am unworthy. Leave. I am unclean. Kind of like Isaiah did when his eyes were open. Jesus said, stand up. From now on, I'm going to teach you how to catch men. We serve a from now on God. So you can reflect upon 2017. But I say, reflect upon this new year that's getting ready to come upon us. My wish for you is not just happy new year. My wish is that you will have a full snuff box of wicks in service to the Lord. And your wicks 
can be prayers from your home. Your wicks can be cleaning the building, teaching the kids, mowing here, talking to somebody about Christ, giving a cup of cold water in somebody's name. Those are all wicks. And my prayer is, is that this body of Christ at New Life Christian in Perrigan will have a snuff box overflowing with spent wicks in our Lord's service. Now, that bottle I was telling you about, it's not the champagne bottle at midnight. It's a different kind of bottle. So if you're at Psalm 56, that's where this one comes in. Psalm 56 and verse 8 says, You number my wanderings, and you put my tears into your bottle, not in your book. When I cry to you, my enemies will turn back. Now, I truly hope that I can share these things with you as much as it impacted me this week as I was studying it. Because it really crushed me when all of this became known. To set the stage for what's going on in this verse, David is uh, he's running away from God. He had ran away from God. He had, was running away from King Saul. He was being persecuted by him and chased. And in fear, he was running and wandering. And he was a fugitive in the wilderness. And it says in Proverbs 14 and verse 12, There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ways thereof, its end is the way of death. You know, that proverb is repeated word for word again in, in Proverbs 16. Word for word. So evidently the Spirit wants us to know that there might be a way that seems right to you. But if it's not the way of God, the end thereof is the way of death. So his way right now, David's was, was not in step with God. How did he fall so quick? It was only a few months ago that... His father sent him to a hill where the army of the Lord was. And on the other side of the hill was this giant named Goliath. Goliath was uttering out blasphemies against the God of Israel. And as he did, and David stepped in, he said, Who, why aren't you fighting with him? And they were all afraid. Even King Saul was afraid. David said, I am not afraid. I can go over there and conquer him. They brought David up to Saul. David at that point, as a young man, looked King Saul right in the eyes. And he said, I was a servant of my father out in the fields. I took care of the sheep. And as I did, a lion and a bear would come after my father's sheep. And I was not afraid of them. When they took it in their mouth and went to go on, I chased after it. I struck it. I retrieved the lamb from its mouth. And when they turned upon me, I grabbed him by the hair of his chin. And I struck him. And I killed him. And that same Philistine over there that's uncircumcised will fall the same way that the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear did, because my God will deliver me. He fights my battles for me. And he looked at Saul and he wasn't afraid, and he looked at Goliath and he wasn't afraid. 
But now, he's directing his own steps. He's not walking in God's steps. There's a way that seems right to a man. And as he walks in his own steps now, he's afraid of even Saul, who was afraid of Goliath. David's now afraid of him. And he fell very quickly when he was guided by his own steps. So then, he runs from Saul. He runs from God. And you know where he runs to? Gath. Does Gath sound familiar? Every time you hear of Goliath, you hear Goliath of Gath. Because that was his hometown. He runs from God and from Saul to a pagan city with a pagan king named Achish. And he's carrying the sword of Goliath to his hometown. And they capture him. You see how he's not thinking right? He's not thinking God's way. He is thinking my steps. This guy might protect me from Saul because he don't like Saul either. But David is now the newly anointed king that to be. He is the one who has slain Goliath and everyone's singing their song about. So this would be like Isis able to capture Trump and have him sitting there as the head of America and bringing him before the king of Isis. David gets before Achish and all of a sudden it hits him. I made a mistake. The decisions that I've been making in life, the choices that I have just made, they weren't good ones. It's funny how hitting rock bottom can shake and bring back your theology. So he hits rock bottom right there in front of Saul, or in front of Achish, sorry. And in front of Achish, you know what he does? I'll tell you the whys when we study it, but I'm just going to tell you what he does. He starts drooling. Now, Hebrew men have a nice beard like Jared does. He's got this big old beard and he starts drooling. And he starts letting the saliva flow out across it. And he soaks that beard and it starts dripping everywhere. He starts babbling like a crazy man. And he starts peeling his fingernails down the walls and down the doorposts. And just peeling it off. And he's scrabbling on the doors. And he's drooling from the mouth. And Achish looks at him and goes. I don't want what he's got. Send him away from here. I got enough crazy men in my, in my court. And he says take him out and throw him back in the wilderness. And so as they take David and his life is spared. And they put him back in the wilderness. You know what it says happens? Psalm 34, which is another psalm. If you looked at Psalm 56 at the very beginning, it says this is a miktah of David whenever he was cast from the presence of Achish. And this one here is another one from that same time period that gives us a commentary on our text here in a minute. Psalm 34 says this, and I'm reading several verses down through there to make sense. I sought the Lord, and He heard me. And He Delivered me from all of my fears. This poor man cried out. And the Lord heard and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around all of those who fear him. Now I'm going to read that one again. Because that's a promise to you and I. It says all right here. 
the angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. Cry out, and the Lord hears and delivers them out of all of their troubles. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite, repentant spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Amen. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. When David stepped away from God and was running as a fugitive, because Psalm 56 and verse 8, when it says, you number my wanderings, the word for wanderings means to run as a fugitive away from something. So as he was running from God in a fugitive in the wilderness and went to Achish and he hit rock bottom and his mental pain, his mental anguish and despair and depression and fear and anxiety brought him to his knees once he got out. And it says he turned to the Lord in those tears and began crying and the angel of the Lord encamped himself around about him. And verse 8 of Psalm 56 says there that you knew my wandering steps. You, you knew every step that I took away from you. But you put my tears in a bottle you, and not in your book. So what he's saying there is, is when you turn back to God, when your tears are flowing and you've hit rock bottom and you need help, it points back to the tears in the bottle of an ancient custom. When, when you're in such despair like Job was and his friends came to him, the ancient custom was, was you brought a bottle with you. And as you, as the most intimate friend would gather together and comfort one another symbolically you would capture your tears in that bottle and it would become precious to you because this was the times that you stood beside me in my anguish in my problems when I was in the most need of my life you were right there beside me. You shed tears alongside with me. And this is a remembrance of that. And it was also custom at that time. That at the death of one or the other. That inside the tomb. That bottle would be placed there. As the remembrance of all that the two of you have went through. So what's that mean for you and me? That means that the Lord Jesus Christ, when I turn to Him, He promises every time to encamp Himself around about me. He takes me in His arms. He holds me tight. He comforts me. He sheds His tears along with His blood alongside of me for all of those things that has me feeling so down and so distraught. 
And he is capturing those. And, and the word for bottle there is wineskin. It's the wineskin. That's why I brought the bag. It's a wineskin. Wineskins hold the crushed fruit of the vine as it gives up of itself and is crushed. It captures that and holds it. And as our life gets crushed and the tears flow like the blood of the grape, he captures those and he sheds his wineskin of his blood to cover everything that I have done and he shed that for me and now when I go to my tomb my wandering fugitive steps weren't recorded in his book of remembrance my tears are recorded there and he says look you're forgiven This is inside the book of my remembrance. What book is that? Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3 verse 16 through 18 says this. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and he heard them. And a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who fear the Lord. Did you know you got a special book? If you fear the Lord, you've got a special book. And it's a book of remembrance. And in that book of remembrance is wicks. And it's a bottle of tears. And he says, the book of remembrance is written for those who fear the Lord and meditate on his name. What does God say about us then? They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. And on that day, on his great day of judgment, when he's going to come again, He says, you will be my jewels. I will take you out as my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And I can discern between righteousness and wickedness by those who are in me. I don't know about you, but that is a precious promise that I need to underline I need to underline Psalm 34 and 56 and Malachi 3. That my God encamps around about me. He captures my tears. And he has a book of remembrance. That says I don't record your wanderings if you're in me. I record the times that you said forgive me Lord. And my blood has covered that. And I poured it out of my wineskin for you. And each week. As we partake of the Lord's Supper, we partake of that fruit of the vine as a remembrance of the body and the blood of Jesus that gives us this new covenant and creates that relationship. And he says, those that fear me, I will make mine on that great day and you will be a jewel. How can God justify doing that for a wretched man like myself? Because it says there, he spares them as someone who spares his son because they served him. Because Jesus served God, went to the cross that was God's plan, he is now justified in saving me and sparing me as well. So as the worship team comes on back up, it's New Year's Eve.
And again, I don't say Happy New Year. I say, I wish you a year of service in 2018 with God. And I say that if you are not in Christ Jesus, my prayer for you is in tears to turn. Just like the, the woman who stood in the presence, you know, Isaiah stood in the presence of God and he said, Woe is me, I'm undone, I'm unclean. This woman stood in the presence of our Lord and she began to weep and her tears fell so hard that they washed his feet. And she let down her hair and began washing her feet with her tears because she was in the presence of her Lord and she became undone. Your prayers and your tears go in to that bottle of remembrance of the Lord. And I pray that you will do the same thing. If you're not in Christ, that you will return to Him, whether you have never named Him or whether you have been like David and myself and had wanderings away as a fugitive. You turn back and He promises to encamp around about you and capture that and not your wandering feet. And for those The rest of us then, everybody else after we've done that, I pray that our wick box, our snuff box is going to be full of wicks as this body of Christ glorifies God this year. Let's pray. Wow, Father, thank you for revealing these things and challenging us with them in your word. Thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for loving us so. And Father, pray for every individual here that their snuff box will be full and that the bottle will be a remembrance at the end of our life on the many times that we turn to you. May our minds capture how great this really is and what you've done for us in Jesus' name. Amen.